Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And it's welcome to episode 13 of Writer on the Road. We're getting our numbers up there very nicely. Thank you to all of you who are listening. Uh, If you wish to subscribe to our newsletter, please feel free. And also a review on iTunes would be absolutely fantastic. But for today, if you'd like to sit back, we've got Warren from Work Around Australia. He's going to tell us all how we can run away with the circus and leave our everyday lives behind. So sit back and enjoy. Good morning to my next guest. It's Warren from Work About Australia and I'm going to leave the introductions to Warren today because um, he's going to do a whole lot better job at it than me. Good morning, Warren. Good morning. How are you now? <laughs> good, thank you. That's good. Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, as you say, my wife and I, my wife Justine and I own and operate Work About Australia. Um, 2016 is the 20th year of Work About Australia. Uh, Work About Australia started as a book back in 1996. Uh, we ended up doing a total of eight editions of the book uh, before uh, well, the website, internet-based website, kicked off um, uh, in two, about the year 2000. Um, club members, club-based website kicked off in the year 2000. And in the time since then, it's uh, obviously become much easier for us to keep an internet-based club up to date than a printed book. So we're now a 100% internet-based club. Um, we operate as a club. We have two types of members. Our club members who are travelling and either want to or need to earn a little bit of money while they're on the road, and our employer members who have a seasonal, casual, short-term need for staff, and we help put the two together. Um, basically, what we do is help people who are travelling around Australia pick up a bit of short-term, seasonal work while they're on the road. Yeah. And this is where my interest um, with Warren kicked in immediately because Warren's going to get me a job to run away with the circus. Now, I've got my daughters on notice, Warren, uh, yeah. that right. I'm out of here and I'm just waiting for your phone call. Very good, very good. Well, look, we cover a huge variety of industries these days. Um, we're, we're not a recruitment agency as such. We're really more of an information resource to put the two together, uh, the club members and the employer members. But we do cover a huge variety of industries these days. It's not just the old traditional fruit and veggie picking and packing, as a lot of people think seasonal work is. Um, obviously, that's all still out there. Uh, it all still happens each year. So if that is of interest to you, uh, you can certainly get plenty of work doing that. But um, I guess a, a few of the easy examples in terms of the type of industries that we cover these days, uh, the classic example we always use is the top-end dry season. Uh, so late February, early March, um, or thereabouts, the, the wet season starts to wind up up in the top end of Australia, and the dry season starts, and all the caravans from the bottom half of Australia all move north for the top end dry season, uh, get up there in the warmth and sunshine. So all of the little businesses up there, everything from cafes and caravan parks to tour operators, um, pubs, clubs, hotels, you name it, all those little businesses up there that most of the season, most of the year, particularly during the wet season, they're a pretty comfortable husband and wife or family-run business, get to that dry season from March through to sort of July, August, depending on the season, 
And it's just more than they can do on their own. So they get our club members into help for a couple of months at a time uh, during their busy period. Um, the other classic example, I guess, is your big farming seasons, your, your big cropping seasons, um, your, your wheats and, and canolas, um, your sugar uh, further north. Um, and, of course, the, the, the farming, the, the cattle and sheep farming properties that just need help during their busy times, whether it's harvesting or, or mustering. Uh, and not just on the properties, there are obviously a myriad of other um, jobs become available, things like you know, plenty of truck driving work to be done during harvest season, uh, things like waybridge operators, machinery operators. There's, um, it's not just the, the, um, the people on the farm. Yeah, and that's and that's what excited me about listening to Warren the first time I spoke to him. A, he speaks beautifully, and he's got some wonderful stories to tell that I'm hoping he'll share with us shortly. Uh, but what appealed to me most about this whole idea of matching up uh, short-term work between employers and travellers was how much it would enrich our journeys as, as we travel around. That's exactly right. It's um, it's it's a fantastic opportunity to meet people, and you know everyone loves to belong to something. Is, is why we stress the fact that we operate as a club. Um, it does give that sense of belonging, uh, and a lot of club members catch up and keep in touch with each other on the road. Um, the 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 I guess the primary benefit to our club members is our weekly email bulletin. Every Friday morning at ten a.m., we we send out a weekly email bulletin with all of the jobs that have come up for the last week. Uh, among other things, also includes things like our tip of the week uh, and, and some members' stories. Uh, but when that bulletin goes out at 10 o'clock on Friday morning, particularly the new jobs on the bulletin each Friday morning, are not available to the general public on our website until the following Friday morning. So club members get first dibs on all of the new positions for the first week, uh, and then any that are not filled in the first week by our club members do become available in the public area. Um, and again, back to just the types of industries you mentioned before, running away with the circus. Uh, I we, live in we hope. Use that, I, guess, as, sorry? <laughs> I live in hope. <laughs> well, I guess we use that as our extreme example of the type of uh, positions that we get. But we do have a number of circuses uh, who employ our club members, uh, mostly to travel ahead of the circus and put the signs up in the shop windows and brochures on the shop counters and things in the next town ahead of the circus so the circus don't have to keep sending their own people backwards and forwards. Uh, we also have a, a, a couple of circuses who advertise with us from time to time for uh, anyone with teaching or tutoring experience. They have a lot of them have primary school age children in the circus troops, and just need somebody who can travel with the circus and keep the kids up to speed on the school curriculum while they're on the road with the circus. Yeah, and that and that was my dream is to run away from my cushy private school job here in Brisbane and hit the road <laughs> <laughs> and serve fairy floss on weekends. Uh, but we had one couple stayed with the circus for nine months. They 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 hooked up with the circus and circus needed some help and the circus happened to be going the same direction as they were and they ended up on the road for nine months with the circus. Yeah, and look, I've got to tell you, Warren, and for everyone listening out there, I only say it half in jest because the other um, purpose of my Writer on the Road website, of course, is stories and storytelling. Now, you could only imagine being on the road with a circus for nine months, the stories that you would come out with. Mm. And that is the biggest benefit that I see from what Warren does and so very, very generous does as well is links people up with experiences so that a they can talk about them in the laundry um, as they're traveling around but b share those stories with the rest of us and that's what warren did when i met him he was telling people about the experiences people can have out there on the road um, without even trying to have fun exactly exactly yeah we um 
Yeah, one of the stories we share in the in the seminar at the shows is uh, some friends of ours from Dubbo who uh, were travelling with their two young boys in a, in a converted bus. Uh, they ended up on a property uh, up near Mataranka with 1.9 million acres. The property. Uh, Corinne, the, the wife, got uh, work on the property as a full-time cook, the farmhouse cook for the 19 full-time staff on the property. Uh, and her husband Peter was doing 570 kilometre a day on-farm boring, just checking the bores and making sure the stock had water and the stock were in the right place. Um, the nearest place they could spend money from this property was a pub 257 kilometres down the road. And at the time, they were being paid $750 a week each cash in hand. The, the guy was that desperate to get people there. They were supposed to be there for six weeks until he found a new cook. They ended up there for 12 months. They liked it that much. And uh, Peter always says when they were there, every time the farmer knocked the beast open for some meat on the property, he'd give them something to put in the freezer up the back of their bus. They had two deep freezers up the back of the bus, and Peter always says when he put them in there, he got the wiring a little bit mixed up and wired them both together, so they're either both on or both off. And uh, while they were there for 12 months, the farmer would give them some meat to put in the freezer every now and then when they hit the road again. And uh, Peter said, when they drove out the gate after 12 months up the back of the bus, they had one freezer full of frozen meat and one freezer full of frozen cash. <laughs> <laughs> Off they went on their trip around Australia. And, and look, my experiences are living in the outback. Uh, a million acres is probably just your average size property. You yeah, talked about yeah. 1.7 million. Yep. Riding uh, around the perimeters of a paddock of um, six hours a day would be considered normal work. Mm. I, um, mm. I had my daughters, we went out and visited friends on a farm or a station, and my daughter said, Mummy, they said they've got a million acres. I said to the woman, have you got a million acres? And she said, yeah, they just take it as normal. Um, exactly. And they drop to school quite often in their helicopters. It's it's yeah. one of the most romantic existences you could ever think of. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's great to be out there and be part of it, even if it's only for short term. Um, it, it's, you know, it's such a beautiful big wide land out there. Um, it's great to get out there and amongst it. Yeah. Well, that brings me to your story. Um, how did you end up? Uh, now, I know in another world that Warren is a banker. How yeah. did you end up a banker doing something so very, very romantic as setting up a travelling um, business as you got? Well, I have to confess, um, as I think I did when we met in Brisbane, uh, I can't claim to have set work about Australia up. Um, a very good friend of ours by the name of Barry Bredner started Work About Australia as the book, and he was the author who wrote all eight editions of the book. Uh, we took the business over from him about six or seven years ago. Uh, and it came about um, almost by accident. Um, we were in a tiny little town about half an hour out of Dubbo. Um, and the, uh, we had a surprise third child. Um, my, my Justine and I had two beautiful daughters, Emma and, and Heidi. And, uh, and then almost by accident, we, uh, we had a third baby daughter. And Justine found out that she was pregnant the day that she went back to full-time work from having our, our now middle daughter, Heidi. Um, so we realised that we were going to lose her income at some stage soon. So we thought, okay, it's time to have a bit of a think about what our options are. We've got nine months to come up with a plan. Um, and I, um, one of the options, which was a, a bit of a left-field option, was to buy the local pub. Uh, it was for sale at the time. And Barry, who, who had started work about Australia, was a friend of ours, and he, some years prior, had owned the Erie Pub. So I thought, right, I'll have a chat with Barry, buy Barry a cup of coffee and have a bit of a chat with him about owning the pub and, and what a great idea that would be. Um, and he humoured me for an hour or so and, and listened to my dreams of owning a country pub and then sat back in his chair and told me why that was a stupid thing to do for a bloke with, uh, well, that stage we knew we were about to have three daughters. 
So Wyoming Country Pub was a stupid thing to do for a bloke with three daughters. And he said, I've got something else you might be interested in. And it really provided the perfect opportunity for us because it gave, uh, gave Justine, a, a, I guess, a, a home job, uh, a job that she could do on the internet from home uh, and still able to get our, our girls to and from school and, and um, yeah, work school hours for any work about Australia. Yeah, and that, and I'm assuming it does take a lot of work to um, get that newsletter out every week and coordinate people. It does indeed. It certainly does. We've um, we've put a lot of time and effort over the, the last five or six years into the, the website and the bulletin and how things work to make it easier for our club members to use and, and also uh, automate as much of it as we can on our end. And just in the last fortnight, we've launched our new bulletin, uh, which I'm happy to say has uh, taken... A huge workload off Justine. It used to be a very manual process. Uh, she was up till midnight every Thursday night for the last five or six years to uh, to get the bulletin out on time on ten o'clock Friday morning. Uh, so we've just had a bit of a major breakthrough there. But certainly the follow up. One thing that we're very very particular about is making sure that our both our club members and our employer employer members um, have a have a happy satisfactory relationship with us, um, and we don't like anyone to to not get the result they were hoping to get. Uh, so Justine does spend a lot of time following up our employers to, to see how they're going, um, but also fielding inquiries from club members and potential club members. Uh, so a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of, uh, lot of back-end admin work and, and sort of um, almost, like a, almost like a call centre for our one-person call centre for our 4,000 club members. Yeah. And there is a huge amount of interest in, in this website, in what Warren does, um, as you can imagine, people wanting to work and travel. When I met um, Warren, I went to the Brisbane Caravan and Camping Show and I went in there and I didn't know what to expect. I was just sort of nosing around having a bit of a sticky beak and the seminar was full and there were mostly couples, um, not necessarily older grey nomad couples. There were a lot of young people there, families, and everybody, because things are getting so expensive out on the road now, it is just one way of keeping the costs down as you travel. Mm. Absolutely. Our feedback we get on average, and it's a very, very loose average, but on average our club members work about 100 days of the year. Uh, so on the road, most of them are able to earn enough in, in less than a third of the year to be able to live comfortably on the road. And there are a, a, a growing number of people who are just ready to take a bit of a break from, from what we've traditionally thought life was supposed to be, that working to retirement age and you know, getting the kids through school there, every state in Australia now has a, a phenomenal distance education program. Uh, I know a lot of our friends from New South Wales have travelled with children and find it very easy to keep them up to date on the school curriculum while they're on the road. And, and as you say, there's a growing number of people who are just looking to, to have that escape, you have to get that break away from the, the daily grind, the daily routine, and, and it's quite easy to earn enough money to, to live comfortably on the road. Uh, in 20 years, we've never had anyone come back and say, that was a stupid idea, and really start the <laughs> I have an awful lot of people who say to me, oh, I wish I could do what you do. I wish I could get out there and do this. And I'd look at them and I'm thinking, but I don't have anything. I just have a rig. Why, why aren't you out doing this? Mm, um, but it's mm. more a fear um, for it people. Is. It's a bit of a fear of the unknown. And, and as we say all the time, and particularly in the seminars, what we – hope to be first and foremost, above all else, as an information resource, the, the, the hand on the shoulder that helps people gather the information they need uh, and that, that hand on the shoulder says, everything's going to be okay, get out there and do this, it's all going to be all right. Um, that's why we put so much time into things like our tip of the week to, to give people 
all the information they need and arm them with the information they need. We, um, our club members have access on the website for the last 12 months' worth of our weekly email bulletins. So we always strongly recommend that they go back through those, even 12, 18 months before they're ready to hit the road. Start getting in there, going back through those previous bulletins, getting the bulletins going forward every Friday morning. Start seeing the sort of stuff that's out there, the sort of stuff that you're interested in, where it is, when it is, uh, what time of year the work that you want to do is available in what part of the country. So that when you do hit the road, you've got a much better idea of, of where you're heading and what you're hoping to find when you get there. Yeah, and and again, once you do get out there doing it, the opportunities just open up, and you kick yourself Absolutely. and say, "Why haven't I done this before?" Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I wish I had a dollar for uh, all the people that we see at the caravan and camping shows who are thinking of uh, hitting the road in the next eighteen months or two years. Come back to the show next year and say, "Yeah, you're right. We're going early. We're packing up and heading off now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and look, the membership for. For joining Work About Australia, it wasn't expensive. It was only a few dollars, and I think less than dollars a year. And it's a family membership, so thirty-three dollars a year covers everyone. If you're a couple or travelling as a whole family, it covers everyone. Um, bit of a twentieth anniversary special. It has traditionally been one hundred and ten dollars for the first year, and then thirty-three dollars a year after that for a new membership. But this year, for our twentieth anniversary, where we've done away with one hundred and ten dollars, it's just thirty-three dollars to join. Uh, thirty-three dollars next year to renew. And we've also done the same thing for our employer members. Uh, so we're certainly by far the, the most cost-effective option for our, our employer members at the moment, uh, $33 a year to, to advertise as many jobs as they want for as long as they want it, as often as they want. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly not designed to be cost-prohibitive. Um, it's, you know, it's, uh, we're, just a, we're, we're a great information planning resource, great information tool to have in your pocket when you're out there on the road. Yeah, and it, and it's that connection thing. It's that um, club feeling that oh, mm. if things do go pear shaped. There's someone I can ring and say, "Oh, what do I do next?" Exactly right. I um, I'll, um, might be a fraction early letting this cat out of the bag, but uh, the, the original author and founder of Work About Australia, Barry Bredner, has um, in the very very final throes of finishing off a new book, which is a compilation of club member stories. Um, there really are some spectacular stories in there, and in particular, a couple of very touching stories about exactly that, that club mentality and club members pulling together and banding together to, to help other club members in, in times of trouble and times of need. Yeah, we might have, to get, yeah, we might have to get Barry on, on the show to tell us and share some of those stories yeah, with sure. us. Yeah, um, I think that's the exciting thing about Rider on the Road. Um, I get to talk to all of you who are out there doing it and the tips keep coming. I had a lady on this morning who was giving us a few things about what was coming up as well. So just remember you heard it here first on Rider on the Road. Um, you know, Barry Brunner <laughs> is putting out his storybook. Um, but the thing that I, the big thing that I picked up and that I liked when I went to the conference or to your seminar was that there was a couple who travelled for five years tax free, um, and I or was it? Yeah, it was tax free, wasn't it? it was something it was like tax that? Free, yes. <laughs> One of our um, we we do have a tip of the week in the bulletin every Friday morning, and club members also have access to all the previous tips of the week in the in the club members area for the website. And yes, you're quite right. Probably our most popular tip of the week is how to claim a trip around Australia as a tax deduction. Um, a lot of people think we're making it up, and a lot of people think we're. Uh, we're trying to pull the wool over the tax office eyes, but uh, not the case at all. There is a specific tax ruling, uh, TR for tax ruling, TR 9534, is the tax ruling that specifically relates to itinerant workers. Uh, now, again, as I say in the, the seminar, disclaimer, 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 I'm not an accountant anymore. 
please don't take this as financial advice. Get your own advice and all the rest of that. But um, effectively, TA 9534 says that if you leave a principal place of residence, are engaged in work in multiple locations before you return to a principal place of residence, you're deemed an itinerant worker. That's the test for an itinerant worker. Um, the other key criteria of TA9534 is that before you get the job you go to, sorry, before you leave the job you're in, get the job that you're going to. Now, obviously, the idea is not to just go from job to job to job to job all the way around Australia. You can stay at home and work full time, but do it once. Somewhere in your travels around Australia, before you leave the job you're in, organise the job that you're going to. Uh, the vast majority of our employer members understand that they're advertising to travelling people, so they'll advertise well in advance, give you plenty of time to get there. But say for argument's sake, purely hypothetically, example, you're just about to finish up the, the mango packing season up in Darwin, um, south of Darwin there, uh, been working in the packing sheds there. <coughs> you're uh, just wondering what you're going to do next. You're heading down the west coast anyway. Uh, and you notice in the bulletin one Friday morning at the Caravan Park at Broome, advertising for some help in a couple of months' time. As long as you apply for the job in Broome and get the job in Broome before you leave the job you're in at Darwin, your trip from Darwin to Broome is now tax deductible because you're an itinerant worker going from one place of employment to another. Not just the obvious things like your, your depreciation, sorry, not just the obvious things like your fuel and your, your kilometres, you'll claim depreciation on your, your fairly new car and caravan. Uh, a day, you're going to have to stop along the way. Um, basically, what we refer to is the, the part of your travel where the caravan's attached. Uh, if you pull up for a couple of days somewhere along the way and, and do a bit of sightseeing, a couple of day trips, that's fine. Just don't put them in your logbook as deductible kilometres. But your site fees and all of your other costs associated with getting from Darwin to Bremen are tax deductible because you're an itinerant worker going between two places of employment. And so don't take my word for it. Um, it TA 9534 is a tax ruling from the tax office. You can Google it and read it yourself. Um, you know, for people out there uh, who are not 100% certain, have a chat with your accountant. If your own accountant's not comfortable with it, there are plenty out there that are. A lot of accountants don't have the need to come into contact with TA9534 very often. So some of them are not 100% sure uh, how relevant it is to what we do. But there are companies out there like Bantax, um, B-A-N-T-A-C-S. Bantax are an accounting firm that do specialise in this stuff. Uh, in our members area, you can find links to their website and a a downloadable PDF booklet on exactly how to do this. And they also run seminars on it. You can even go to one of their offices. They've got a few offices up and down the East Coast in particular. You can even go to one of their offices and do a half-day seminar on how to apply TR 9534 to your own travels and claim your trip around Australia as a tax deduction. Right. And I'll, I'm just making a note now, I'll put that link on our show notes for anyone who mm. wants to go back and have a look at that later. On a very, very personal note, do you have to have somewhere to come back to, like I'm renting at the moment, do I have to keep this place to come back to it? Because that would be a bit awkward. No, you don't. Um, you really, you don't have to come back to the same principal place of residence. So the theory is that you've, you've left somewhere and, and you've worked before you've settled down somewhere else. Uh, a lot of our club members, particularly those of the seniors cards or pension cards, very proud of the fact that underneath their name on, the, on their seniors card, right underneath the note says NFA, I've no fixed address. <laughs> so, no, you don't have to have an address to come back to. Uh, one of our other tips of the week is, is how to get yourself organised on the electoral roll so you don't get fined every time you miss an election while you're on the road. Um, <clears throat> most people know that uh, if you don't vote, you get a fine in the mail. Uh, what a lot of people don't realise is now is if you don't pay the fine, they disqualify your driver's licence until you do. 
Oh, really? guilty, guilty. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lady at one of the seminars in Brisbane uh, a few years ago, and I said, you know, we can help you get yourself organised on the electoral and I get fine. She stuck her hand up. said, it doesn't matter. I left that one a month before the election. I said, oh, no. I said, did you tell them where you were going, leaving a forwarding address so they could contact you? No, what do I care? I'm on the road. They don't know where I am. I said, oh, no. I said, well, did you at least pay the fine when the fine came through in the mail? What fine? I didn't leave a forwarding address. They don't know where to send the fine. What am I going to do? They, they couldn't care less. Oh, no. I said, you know what happens when you don't pay the fine? No, it happens. I said, they disqualify your driver's license. She said, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, sort of, sorry? I'm just going to go have to check back on a few of my records. I voted in the last federal election the other week, but I think there was yep. a state one that it was 38 degrees here and I couldn't be bothered queuing in the heat. I, I need to check up, Warren. Thank you for that. Um, I think you should run through a couple more tips for us because one of the biggest things that I find when I talk about being on the road is people just – don't know how to go about it. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. There, um, there. As I say, there's a, Justin puts a lot of work into a tip of the week every week. They cover a huge variety of things, from things as simple as the fishing rules from state to state. So, if there are any fishermen or women out there as you cross the border in a new state, you can jump onto the website uh, in the members area and find a, a tip of the week on the fishing rules from state to state. Um, things like. Um, the different uh, ambulance services from state to state and the best way to contact them and, and what the rules and, and arrangements are with different ambulance services and, and the level of, of hospital or ambulance cover you need to have to be able to use them from state to state. Um, things like um, links to, to um, means of communication while you're on the road, satellite phones and that sort of stuff uh, and who to contact, um, the best people to contact, or from our experience, the best people to contact and, and get information on that sort of stuff. Uh, there really is a huge variety of, of, of tips of the week uh, in the members area. And as I mentioned before, it's all about being that hand on your shoulder. Everything's okay. Just, just get out there and do it. This is all going to work the way you want it to. Yeah, and, and it's taking away that fear. And I guess I can understand it because people are packing up their lives um, and and don't know what's out there. But I can mm. assure you if I can get out there and do it on my own that everybody else can get out there as well. And the biggest thing that I like about it, Warren, is no matter where I am, if I stand there and look useless, I can get four husbands queuing up. So the wives and I will stand there and we'll have a little yeah. chat and my rig will be hooked up and I just have – they open the door for me to get in. I go, oh, I like this. <laughs> So so it is possible. You can get out there. The fact that we can work as well, that there is one small thing that's holding me back, and I'm guessing it's holding you back too because I've just done a bit of a calculation. Your daughter's seven. Um, yeah, so we can't go anywhere because we've got kids, and despite me begging my children, as I say every week, my children are insisting that we stay put and they go to school, and I have no understanding of that. Why would anyone want to go to school? I'm a teacher. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, all right. What I'd like to know next, um, Warren, is what keeps you going because you work full-time as well? Yep, yep. Um, what keeps me going, I, I guess it's probably a little bit of the story you just mentioned about the, the husbands helping. It's just that, that wanting to help, wanting people to get out there and experience it. Um, whilst we, we are um, committed to our, our eldest daughters now in high school uh, and we were always committed to, to them um, settling in and going through high school, but we've been lucky enough to do a bit of travel around Australia and have seen some of this country, and it's really just the desire to, to help people get out there and do it. Um, the, the statistic I heard at the show up in Brisbane was that there are now 890,000 registered caravans in Australia at the end of December last year. 
Uh, and they're not all out on the road. All these people have bought the caravan with the hope and the dream of getting out there and doing it at some stage. Uh, but they just, for, for a variety of reasons, either haven't or haven't built up the courage to get out there and do it. Um, and, and so what keeps me going is the desire to help people, the desire to get people out there doing this, uh, not only to, to be that hand on the shoulder to help them back out of the driveway and, and get going in the first instance, but also to be there and help keep them on the road when they're out there. Uh, whether it's through the tip of the week or, or earning enough money to stay on the road while they're out there to, to just keep living the, the lifestyle of their dreams. Yeah, and and that's exactly right. And the purpose of Rider on the Road is to get people to tell and share their stories while they're out mm. there doing it. Um, Australia is just one of the most beautiful, mag- magnificent countries ever, but it's until you get out into those little out-of-the-way places that you don't realise what we've got because in the cities all we hear about are the problems out in exactly the right. It's, um, yeah, the, the, um, Although it sounds very cliche these days, I always throw back to, to Crocodile Dundee and, and what a groundbreaking movie that was and, and that sense of, of mateship and, and the, the real the Australian character uh, is, is came through so strongly in that movie. It's all still out there. That, that's still what remote and regional parts of Australia are like. Uh, and again, back to your example of the, of the husbands wanting to help. People want to help. People want to get involved. Uh, once you get out of the city, um, the people just, just want to get along and help each other. Um, and, and we're happy to try and be part of that as much as we can. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm talking to a lady. Her name's Mandy, and she's from Talk, and it's travelling basically with kids around Australia. And yep. um, she's going to come on and talk to us about that a little bit down the track. Mm. Um, it's just as possible now to get out there with your family and there's no better Absolutely. education. Yeah. yeah. We have um, we, were, we were very lucky. A few of the, uh, the longer extended trips we did um, a few years back, uh, the teacher, the principal at our local school here had been the principal of distance education uh, out here in regional New South Wales. Uh, so even just to go away for a couple of months at a time, she was able to prepare us and give us all the work that we needed to do. Uh, absolutely no disrespect to, um, to anyone in the teaching fraternity. But we found that by the time you take out all of the structured activities that go into primary school in particular, um, you know, morning tea and, and crunch and sip now where they have their healthy snacks in the morning and, and, and you know, the, all of the things that fill a school day, we were able to keep our girls up to speed with the school curriculum in, in two half days a week. So, so we'd sit down, we're under strict instructions from the principal of the local school to, to have school time, whether it takes you a whole day, half a day, whatever it is, shut everything else out, get the schoolwork out, do the schoolwork for that time, but then once the schoolwork's done, put it away. Don't touch it, don't think about it, don't look at it, and let the girls enjoy the experience and... And the, the principal stressed quite strongly that they're going to get far more benefit out of the experience of what they're out there doing than they are sitting at a desk doing schoolwork all day. So we found we were able to keep our girls up to speed with the school curriculum in about two half days a week. Uh, so, so twice a week we'd sit down at, at 9 o'clock and, and go until lunchtime, uh, and that was enough to, to keep them up to speed. Actually sitting down and getting stuck into it, uh, that was what we needed to do to keep our girls up to speed with the curriculum. So it's very, very easy uh, to travel with children, even into high school now, whilst um, whilst we haven't taken the plunge with that yet. Um, distance Education in New South Wales supplies the students with a mobile phone and a laptop so that they can they can have contact, ring in, Skype like this with their, their teachers. Uh, they really are fantastic facilities 
for for people to be able to travel with school-aged children now. Yeah. It's really not a hindrance at all. Yeah, and and you've touched on a lot of things that I'm fairly passionate about. Um, I'm not sure whether I mentioned to you that I'm an English teacher uh, and I homeschool my children or I took it one step further and I unschooled my children where we didn't do the two mornings a week at the desk. We didn't do anything. Um, but my eldest daughter did manage to write a 30,000-word novel when she was 12. So, mm. I'm, yeah, I'm taking that experience and I'm about to launch in the next week or two uh, an online course where and I'm aiming it at homeschoolers, I'm aiming it on travellers, where the kids can work with me to complete a project of novel length, whether it be 5,000, 10,000 or 20,000 words, and each yeah. week they'll they'll link in with me and Skype as we are now, or I'm looking at Facebook Live because I love that idea, um, and yeah. they can type in their questions so that we can all meet together. And um, there's a lot of interest in that course. There's a lot of interest in people being able to do things that are creative and imaginative while they're out there living a life that is just so full of adventure to write about. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. The, um, the couple I mentioned before who were on the property out at Matarangka, they had their food primary school aged boys with them. Uh, they decided they wanted to get back and wanted to get back and, and settle them into high school, particularly the old one into high school. Uh, they were on the road for three years. And they just went through the, the schoolwork from distance education at their own pace. Uh, when they got back and settled back into mainstream schooling, they were both about half a year ahead of the rest of their peers. Uh, they just they just didn't really have much of a game plan on the schoolwork. They knew where they had to be up to if they got ahead well and good. And, and yeah, by the time they came back and settled in the schools, they were nearly six months ahead of everyone else in the schools they settled back into. Yeah, and it's not just it's not just the academic um, life. If anyone you know has kids and they're listening to this conversation, it's mm. about the social interaction. It's about the Absolutely. maturity. Yeah, mm. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, the kids get involved on the road. They, we we had our girls keep a journal when we were on the road. Uh, teachers suggested that, and and it was yeah, you know, it was great that you. Five or six later, years later from our big trip up north, um, or four or five years later, they still refer back to their journals and refresh their memories about what we did up in the Gulf Country. Yeah, I put my daughters in charge of the budget, but that was really sad. <laughs> <laughs> After a while, we didn't we didn't worry about money. We just closed our eyes and pretended it wasn't happening. <laughs> uh, um, and that's something that I would like to move on to now, I guess, is the accommodation side of things. Accommodation in caravan parks now is very expensive. And mm-hmm. it's good to go there occasionally. But a lot of the jobs that you talk about often have accommodation in exchange for work. That's right, yeah. A lot of them will, will have somewhere. They understand that they're, the employer members, that is, understand that they're advertising to travelling people. Uh, these people have got their accommodation with them. Uh, so it's obviously to everyone's benefit and advantage if there's somewhere they can park it. Um, so the majority of employers will have somewhere that, that members can uh, can park, particularly in the more remote areas. Uh, a lot of the caravan parks uh, that advertise with us will will include park fees in whatever arrangements they come to, um, in terms of payment and remuneration arrangements. But the vast majority of uh, employers will have something available, somewhere available to, to park a van. As you say, caravan parks are getting more and more expensive. Uh, free camping is becoming far more popular. Uh, a lot of our club members will, will free camp. A few of our club members... Uh, we, we speak to regularly pride themselves on, on how far they can go before they have to stay in a caravan park. Uh, it's usually when they come to blows over a load of washing needs to be done or something and then we just really need to go to a caravan park. But um, 
Yeah, there's uh, there's a, a huge variety of options out there. You don't have to be in caravan parks. There are obviously some benefits to being in caravan parks. You do have more facilities there, and, um, and then they're a great meeting place as well. But, um, yeah, the vast majority of employers will have something available, mm. somewhere available. Yeah, and quite often the caravan parks are, are places that you'll pick up work as well. There's notice boards there and oh, quite well, often yeah. um, groundsmen, receptionists, all those yeah. kinds of things. So it's um, the girls and I did a trip at Christmas over two months and we averaged, I think it was $100 a week over for accommodation for that time. So it was part free yeah. camping, part of caravan parks. Yeah. Um, and you do get benefits for staying in a place for a week if you stay in a caravan park as well. So it's a bit of both, um, which brings me to another interesting point is food expenses as you're travelling. Mm. Yeah, a lot of um, it, it can be expensive to buy food in some of the more remote areas. Uh, a lot of the caravans these days are so well equipped with, with refrigeration uh, a lot of our members will, will buy in bulk and, you know, there's there's a myriad of, of cryovacking type machines available these days. So what a lot of people do is buy in bulk and freeze before they go, uh, particularly more expensive stuff like your meat, which can be very expensive in, in the more remote areas. Um, look, it, it is an expense. Um, we can't get around it. We have to eat. <laughs> but um, it's uh, budgeting is an important part of the process. Uh and, and a lot of our, our club members will, will start with a budget of expenses uh, and, and what costs they need to cover, which then gives them a bit of a plan of, of how much work they need to do. Um, yes, as I say, on average, our club members work about 100 days of the year. Uh, but if you have expensive taste, you might have to work a little bit more. <laughs> and, and it's good to have expensive tastes occasionally out there. And we've got Absolutely. to remember um, little towns rely on us to spend their money or spend our money at their places. There's a little mm. place that I used to stop at regularly at Julia Creek, and it yep. had a beautiful news agency, and we always made it a point of spending lots of money at the Julia Creek news agency. Um, yeah, we, we always say our club members are very user-friendly on the towns that they visit because they do spend their money uh, at the local shops and service station and supermarket and bottle shop and whatever's there. Uh, they bring their own accommodation with them so they're not straining the, the accommodation that's available in the town uh, and they're fulfilling a short-term need for work that, that can't be fulfilled locally. So, um, you know, they, they, they do leave money behind and when the work's finished, everybody's happy to park company and move on. Yeah, and that's a good thing too sometimes um, that you can work. You don't feel guilty about leaving um, your contracts ended, say your contracts ended, and it ends on a very positive note. Um, Absolutely. come back next time. Yeah, we have, a, we have a, a large number of members that now go back and do the same job in the same place each year. Um, they, they sort of do their, their lap around Australia and just organise themselves to be back to, to do the same work, particularly the, the sort of top-end dry season stuff where it's always there there every year so um, they'll organise to be back there at the same time every year to do the same work yeah. and, that, and again that whole planning piece can't stress enough the importance of planning um, it, it helps them plan their whole trip they, you know, once they've done it once they, they know exactly what they, what they can do, exactly what speed they need to travel at, exactly how long they can spend taking their time and doing their fun stuff um, to, to be back where they need to be to pick up a bit of work again next year yeah, how does that work? Is it? I mean, I don't know if this is personal. I should even ask it, but I'm going to. How does that work for you, where your business is to link up the two the two groups? Because that actually cuts you out the next time, doesn't it? Do you find you're getting less work um, coming into you from top end because people are regulars now, or does a constant changeover? No. Yeah, no, 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 not so much. We um, a lot of our to, to use the top end example, the dry season runs for five or six months. A lot of our club members don't want to stop for that long. 
Uh, one of the reasons why we have an annual subscription for our employer members so that they can advertise as often as they want, as many times as they need to, and for as long as they want. <coughs> Excuse me. So that um, they can keep a rolling flow of people coming through. The same people may go back and do the same job year in, year out, but they might not do it for the entire six months of the season. They might book them in for the first two or three months for the season, but then need someone to come after them. But also, things don't always go according to plan. Uh, it's all well and good for people to book themselves in in 12 months' time, but people have breakdowns and medical issues and, and one thing and another um, and, and don't always make it back. Um, and plus, where as, as word spreads, as we've got more employers and more club members out there doing this, we're getting more and more employers all the time. Um, so, yes, it probably, um, it probably does take a, a, a few ads off, off our website, but provided our club members and our employer members have both gotten the benefit they are after, then everybody's happy. Yeah. And look, I've got to tell you, it's one of the best ideas that I ever heard of. And I'm just so glad I sat in on that seminar um, because skill sets are all important. But sometimes mm. you just want to try something different. Um, I'm thinking yep. in particular of um, Rockmelon. Do you pick Rockmelons up at Kananara yep. and up in the Old yep. River? It's something I'm, it's on my to-do list um, mm. and I'll have a go at it one day. And I'm sure you don't need skills to do that. No, that's right. And, and I, look, I keep harping on the whole planning piece. One of the, one of the benefits of club members and one of the reasons we, our club members have access to the last 12 months' worth of bulletins, as I mentioned before, they can go back through them, start to see the sort of stuff that's out there, the sort of stuff that they want to do. If it's picking rock melons, then, then you're quite right. There's, there's no specific skills required for it. Uh, some of our um, positions do require some level of skill. Um, a lot of the caravan parks uh, prefer people to have at least done the, the RMS course, the Reservation Management System, the caravan parks use. Um, there are some fantastic um, caravan park courses about now. A company we do a lot of work with called Pro Management, PRO Management, run the caravan park management courses. Everything from a couple of day course in, um, in RMS, Reservation Management System, right through to a, a full uh, certificate training tourism where you do some online training first and then go and spend two weeks in one of the caravan parks and do everything from, from cleaning the amenities blocks to, to running the office and you come out of that with a full certificate training tourism. But it might be something as simple as an RSA, your, your responsible service of alcohol, if you want to go work in a couple of the big old iconic outback pubs. Again, you keep stressing the importance of that planning, going back through those bulletins, getting the bulletin going forward every Friday morning, seeing the sort of stuff that you want to do and where it is and when it is, you can also have a start start to have a think about any tickets or certificates or licences you might want to pick up before you hit the road. Uh, it might be something as simple as a police check. Um, $48 or so dollars now to get a national police check. Um, it's a good entry point. A lot of, of government-type work, uh, even things like campground sitting for, in national parks now requires a police check as a bare minimum. Um, so, again, you can start to have a think about all these tickets and licences, if that's the sort of work you're interested in, and start to get all those ducks in a row before you actually back out of the driveway and hit the road. Yeah, and again, I, I get excited as we're on talks and I just want to run away tomorrow. Um, but again, you don't need to be able to do some of this stuff before you leave. You just have to have the desire to get out there. You have to have the, the I guess, the passion and interest to give it a go. Uh, yep. And I, I just look... 
I was going to line up and pay my $33 when I was at the conference, um, but there was too many people lining up in front of me that day. I'll get off the um, meeting with you today and I'll pay my $33 because there is just so much out there to see and do. And I think it's really exciting skill sets. There's one question that I did want to quickly touch base on. How, how are we going for time? Yeah, we're over as usual. Um, internationals. People coming into Australia, because we're a, we're a global community now, people will listen to this and they'll say, but what about me? We're only in Australia for 12 months. Yep. Again, can't stress enough the importance of the planning. Join well before you get here. Get into the Bortons, the past 12 months worth of Bortons. Start seeing the sort of stuff you're interested in, where it is, when it is. Plan, if you're only here for 12 months, plan what time of the year you need to be in what part of the country to pick up the sort of work that you want to do. Um, there is still quite a demand for, for the backpacker market out there. Um, we've seen the backpacker market probably dry up a little bit in the last couple of years, the last 12 to 18 months. Uh, my own personal theory on that is that the European countries are starting to get back onto their feet after the, the global post-GFC, global financial crisis. At one stage, unemployment uh, in Ireland, for example, was, was up into the low 20s. Uh, 22 or 3% unemployment. Uh, so there was literally nothing for, for young people to do uh, in Ireland and a lot of those other countries over there. So they're all out here on the, on the 457 visas working around Australia for four months. As those countries have started to get back on their feet, we've seen that drop off a little bit. Uh, but there is still plenty of demand out there for backpackers. Um, we now, um, through the, the magic of Facebook advertising, uh, are starting to, to advertise into a few of those uh, countries now. Um, I, I spend my every waking moment studying Google Analytics and the, the, the back-end crunching the back-end data and statistics on our website. Uh, so we're starting to use that to our advantage to, to specifically target a few of the countries that where, where we do have um, a, a lot of visitors. Uh, but, yeah, look, there, there, there are still plenty of backpackers coming to Australia. Uh, we certainly have plenty to offer them. We even have a section on our website uh, called Tips for Travelling to Australia so to help people uh, coming to Australia organise things like bank accounts, tax file numbers, um, getting um, a, a, an address, uh, set up an address in Australia. We have some mail forwarding services that can help with that. Uh, all of the things that most of the, the big four banks now, uh, you're actually able to set up, open a bank account and have all your cards and everything set up before you even hit Australia. Uh, so when you're lobbying a capital city, you can go into a branch and, and pick up your card and all your bank account details. Um, so we do have tips like that for people who are travelling to Australia to help them get into Australia and, and get the process started and make it a bit easier for them. Um, and, of course, the, the, the importance of the planning, uh, getting in there, having a look at the bulletins and seeing the sort of stuff they want to do, where it is and where it is. Yeah. Oh, look, just such a wealth of knowledge, Warren. Um, you've answered more questions than I could even think of asking. <laughs> I'm flicking through the links. I'm sort of looking off screen here. I've got my iPad next to me. I'm just a technical yep. guru nowadays. And there are some <laughs> wonderful links on there. The band taxes on there. Um, there's camping tips. There's caravan lo- relocation insurances, all the things that you need um, to get you up and running. And then there yep. are those wonderful tips to earn as well. Um, I strongly suggest 
suggest that everybody get on there and have a look at that. Uh, I'm going to ask... all the good stuff's in the members area. Where you haven't <laughs> oh, but I'm going to. Like everything else in the world, <laughs> I'm going to work. I'm going to get out there and join the circus, I promise. Uh, I think I've touched on everything that I need to cover with you. I'm going to get yep. a job. I'm going to do this. It's all about me, me, me. I'll get my... <laughs> um, I'll get my... Uh, you know, teens writing their stories down. Um, I'll get yep. Warren writing his story down. We'll speak to Barry and see if we can get him on to talk about um, the, some of the experiences of those members because that will open up a whole new can of stories that we haven't even touched on today. Absolutely. Warren tells the most wonderful stories, um, but I've already <laughs> taken up, you know, 50 minutes of his time. Um, very, very um, well-educated man, I'm guessing. Thank you. <laughs> okay, well, but look, best of luck, luck with those three girls. I am guarantee they're keeping you on your toes. Um, yes. And I'll see you probably back up here next year at the Caravan and Camping Show. Yeah, I'd love to talk anytime, Mel. Thank you very much for your time, and we'll catch up again soon. All right, and we'll put all those links on the um, website for everybody to see. Remember to subscribe to my newsletter to find out more of um, what's happening in the world of travelling around Australia, working around Australia. I'll put some of those links up. Um, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, um, if and when I get around to working out how Stitcher works, but the other two I've got licked. Um, sure. I'll also speak to Warren after the I sign off here, and he can tell me about all those um, Google analytics that um, keep most of us guessing. All right, thank you for now, Warren. Thank you very much.